Welcome to the Listening Party podcast for July 2021. I'm your host, Rebecca Haas. I'm the Director of Community Engagement for Pacific Opera Victoria. This episode of the podcast is completely devoted to sharing the voices and the stories of five artists in our community. These artists will be part of the Open Air Festival. It's a joint festival hosted by Pacific Opera and the Victoria Symphony. It takes place on the grounds of St. Anne's Academy here in Victoria. After the months of lockdown with the pandemic and so many concerts produced for digital distribution, the opera and the symphony have combined their forces to create a one-of-a-kind 10-day festival. This episode is completely devoted to sharing the voices and the stories of five artists who are taking part in the community programming that is part of the Open Air Festival. The Open Air Festival is a joint event hosted by Pacific Opera Victoria and the Victoria Symphony. It takes place on the grounds of St. Anne's Academy here in Victoria, British Columbia. After the months of lockdown with the pandemic and so many concerts produced for digital distribution, the opera and the symphony have combined their forces to create a one-of-a-kind 10-day festival. There are many amazing concerts you can attend if you're in the Victoria area. There's a full slate of vocal recitals featuring guest artists and a wonderful variety of instrumental programs featuring members of the Victoria Symphony. You can learn more about all of those ticketed events at our website, pacificopera.ca. Just click the link for the Open Air Festival. The festival opens on July 22nd and runs to August 2nd. Today on the podcast, I'm featuring some of the artists who will be providing the community programming on the grounds. It's a great mix of music, art, poetry, movement, and drumming. All the community events are free or pay what you can. And don't forget also to check out the Spotify playlist that accompanies this podcast. All the guests today have chosen some music that is special to them, and you can learn more about their choices in the liner notes on our webpage. Let's start our conversations with Brianna Bear. Brianna Bear is a wonderful visual artist who will be part of a program on Sunday, August 25th called Music and Art. If you drop by the festival at 1 p.m. that day, be sure to bring your art supplies, paper, colored pencils, and create under the encouragement of Brianna. My name given to me by my family is the Echlia, which loosely translates to older sister. But I'm also known as Brianna Bear by most people from the Songhees Nation here in Victoria. But I also have roots to the Kakwakiwakundis people in Alert Bay. And what I'll be doing at the festival is holding a little art session while music is playing, which I'm super excited for. <laughs> so many artists listen to music while they work and it's a piece of their inspiration. And uh, I'm a musician and I like to make visual art. So I think there's all kinds of crossovers. Are you an artist who listens to music when they work? Yes, I absolutely love playing music when I work because it just, it helps me focus and also kind of puts me back in that right mind frame in case it's been like one of those hectic days because I work a nine to five job and I'll, I'm also an artist too. So normally I have to get myself out of that nine to five job and get into the headspace of my artistic creativity. And that's when I like go to my music and I'm like, okay, what can I, what, what can I do to pump myself up? I would love to hear about what you're working on these days. I know you're working on a mural. Can you tell us the mural you've been painting lately? Yeah, so the mural I've been working on is actually for the Victoria Day of Friendship Center. 
specifically with the youth department um, about a few, maybe two months back, there was a pride uh, festival for the youth online. And what came from that is that the youth wanted a pride mural. And so they reached out to me to be able to help bring that idea to fruition. And essentially what the youth had asked me was that they wanted the pride flag represented, but they also wanted to represent the plants within the local territory. And if those plants could represent different flags within the pride, pride flag as a whole. So what they chose was the bisexual, um, transgender flag, uh, asexual and non-binary as the three flags that they wanted represented, which ended up being the daisy as one of the plants, the chocolate lily is another, the Gary Oak leaf and the tiger lily. And then in the middle, um, when the Friendship Center started doing their two-spirit conferences every year, they reached out to me to do a logo of two feathers to represent the two-spirit within Indigenous cultures as a whole. And so that's going to go right in the middle of it. And then throughout the mural, there's these, we call them white splotches to look like little paint things. And within those splotches, we're actually going to get the daycare kids to put their handprints in there. So then we have all the youth kind of covered who access the center. That's an amazing project. And, you know, I love how it's so collaborative, right? And it's co-created. And what an amazing position for you to be in to sort of oversee, manage, but translate someone's vision, right, into the visual. You do an awful lot of work in community like this through different, I think, different kinds of art murals um, mm -hmm. and drum workshops. I know that you and I have been together in a drum <laughs> workshop. Uh, you've manifested your art skills in many ways beyond your own practice. What do you think is the most rewarding part for you about working with community to make collaborative art? Mm. Oh, that is such a wonderful question because it, it just makes me reflect on being able to connect to different communities, to be able to connect to people of various ages too, because when I'm doing collaborative work like this, I always open it up to not just the people who are supposed to be working on it, but if they're comfortable to include other people within that community or organization to come in. And I think it's one of the most rewarding things is creating that connection and hearing the stories that people have to share because when you're in a space working on art you get to hear how people are connecting to it whether that's a design that they've chosen it's the colors that they're using the so many stories come out that just make me go yeah and just like in awe of what is coming out because a lot of them are reflecting on things from their past from their grandparents sometimes and teachings that they had kind of forgotten and they're like oh yeah I remember this so it would definitely have to be that connection and stories that come out. Well let's talk a little bit about what we're going to try to create. I sort of gave you a pretty blank <laughs> canvas um, <laughs> to use an art <laughs> metaphor um, but I do have this feeling that 
people will create something based on what music is there. And I love the idea of us being sitting out in nature in the front grounds uh, at St. Anne's Academy in the little forested area is what I'm envisioning um, and us being able to pass out some pen and paper. But I know you're going to bring some supplies and we're going to have some musicians playing. What are you envisioning for the day that you'll be uh, hosting some time with the current, with the community? What what I'm envisioning for this day is that open creativity, because what I'm bringing with me that day are stencils that I've created for, that are most often used for drum making sessions or drum painting sessions, I should say, that I host. And these stencils have like a range of use. I have the stencil of the animal or the plant itself with the small little cutout details or else I just have, I've also saved just the general shape of the stencil with no details in it. And I want people to be able to create something that resonates with them, whether that's just tracing out a shape and coloring or adding their own drawings within that shape because how I've seen my stencils used, it's like a whole new design and it's like a collaborative design between me and the participants who will be there with me. And when I get to see how people think, especially when resonating with music, it's so beautiful because again, they're a lot of the time they're creating stuff from the heart. And it's just, it's almost like you're in a meditative state when you are creating. And when you just give the people space to create, I try not to give them too much direction aside from how to use the stencils and to let them know that they can use any colors they want. They can draw whatever they want inside, outside of it. You can go outside the lines. You can add some new designs within it. Like it's totally up to them. And I really like that freedom of creativity to see what comes from the heart from people. And I'm guessing you're going to be creating alongside of them as well. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm super <laughs> excited about. Like you, you can't get any better than being able to create with everyone. So. Well, I'm so happy that you're able to join us for the festival. And I too, I envision that sort of mixed generation. I think it's something that's going to be fun for all ages to participate in. Um, and there'll be yeah, I think with having the music, there's a chance to get out of our heads about trying to make something that's good. And as you say, just being in that moment and letting things flow. And that's the best place when you're making art. Exactly. Like I, I know it's going to be a beautiful day, especially being able to be out in like the field and under the trees, because that, that space there at St. Anne's is just absolutely beautiful. We'll have art supplies on hand in case you don't have any at home. We'll have pencil and paper. We want to support anyone who would like to create some art with Brianna, but also feel free to bring your own sketch pad. It's going to be a lot of fun. Our next guest is Kelly Ledge. Kelly will be appearing in the festival in her drag king persona, Persiflage. She'll be part of Drag Story Time with special guest host, Woofie Goldberg. Now, Drag Storytime is a regular program that the Greater Victoria Public Library provides every year, and we are so pleased to be able to share an open-air festival edition. Kelly is the co-founder of Stashes and Lashes Collective, which is a collective of drag performers that are from age 11 and up, and they actually organize and put on shows for youth throughout the Greater Victoria area. In this interview, you'll hear not only Kelly, but you'll also hear the developing voice of Rowan, her eight-month-old daughter. 
I started out by asking Kelly what music she was listening to these days. Oh, wow. Lately, I've been listening to um, a lot of Rafi with my new infant daughter, to be honest with you. But I have also gotten into Ferris and Jason Romero quite a bit lately. Uh, they're an award-winning duo. And, who, and I went to university with Ferris, and so that's very cool. We actually took a songwriting course together, so it's very cool to see uh, uh, where life has taken her, where music has taken her, and I'm really enjoying her music and exposing some Canadian roots and traditional music to my daughter. Mm. There she is. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. She's providing good background noises. How do you use music in your life? Is it something you use to kind of get yourself going? Uh, is it part of uh, your drag king work? Or I mean, how does music impact your daily life? Oh, my goodness. That's a wonderful question. At home, we use music to play, um, to introduce objects to my daughter. I play a little bit of guitar. And so... Yeah, we're talking about one of your favorite subjects. <laughs> and um, it's also, music is a great way to bring community together. And lately at home, you know, we, we gather with family and friends and we make music for the kids with drag. I, I love playing with the music that I use for performance. I think of drag as a bit of a nexus of several different arts coming together. And, um, you know, there's, there's costuming, there's movement. Um, makeup artistry obviously and and music is another element of that and so I like to use music as part of the storytelling mixing in audio clips and sound bites and, and voices helps propel a story forward and becomes part of uh, um, the overall telling um, so that's something that gets me really excited about music as well and Victoria Drag is like really wonderful and artful and experimental like that and um <laughs> And my daughter truly loves talking about drag, you can tell. <laughs> can you share maybe just a little bit of the story of how you came to discover persiflage? I guess like a significant life event that made me wonder where I was going in my journey. And, um, and I just got it in my head that I thought, you know, what would be neat is if I performed on the pride stage and I was not a performer <laughs> whatsoever but I just kind of like dedicated four months of my life I watched a whole lot of YouTube videos I watched that show so you think you could dance and I let it convince me that I could dance and I got up uh, they the pride society very kindly let this newbie who just emailed them have a little spot on the pride stage like right when they were opening up and um and I performed that day and I performed as a as a as myself, really, but that threw me into the company of um, other drag performers and we became friends and then um, they threw at me some opportunities to try drag and I hadn't thought about doing that before because um, I'd always identified as a queer person as a as a femme and I guess in my head I'm like can a femme um, do drag and you know and the answer the answer is heck yeah you can and I was able to really explore um like the the masculine elements of myself that I hadn't given a lot of airtime to and actually made me feel really authentic and so I identify as, as a femme king right so you can do drag and you can be David Bowie 
and um, you can have long hair and uh, all of those sort of hyper masculine like machismo elements it's very very valid but so is everywhere else on on the um on the scale right in, in the universe of gender expression and so it's been a really cool like exploration of myself and an exploration of art and and, and connection to a community that I hadn't had before and uh it's it's been a, a beautiful thing in my life uh, just because not everyone will know what uh, the story time with uh, drag kings and queens is like, is there anything you would want to share with people about what that is or what to expect or the elements of it or yeah, some aspect of what that will be if people come and join us for that as part of the festival? Yeah. Oh, story time is a wonderful thing. I like to think that it, it um, you know, it encourages and reinforces things that are already come intuitively for kids. And that is that those, those parts of themselves that truly authentic, colorful, weird and wonderful parts inside them get to shine on the outside. And for a lot of kids, that's their gender creativity and that's their gender exploration. And so with Drag Storytime, we want all kids to know that like, that that's, that's a-okay, that that's a beautiful thing. And we want all kids to know that we want all kids to know that feeling a little different sometimes is also a-okay whatever that looks like and so at this particular event myself and Wuffy Goldberg are just going to be reading some some curated stories to help like share that narrative that it's awesome to be different and it's awesome to be colorful weird and wonderful and um and it's awesome to be gender creative so that's what they're going to expect uh, a bit of witty banter um some fun some storytelling and um and, and sharing space and with stashes and lashes uh, we often partner with the library we partner with schools and um those programs are like free and open to the public and we share stories we do a live action storytelling so we have drag performers come together and act things out and engage with the audience we do crafts and we have song as well so those programs are an hour long and you know and anyone's welcome to check out our facebook page and hopefully follow along and we'll get to see them again if you'd like to see Kelly in her drag persona as Persiflage, you can find her at the Open Air Festival on Sunday, August 1st, 1 p.m. in the Orchard. Next, I'm going to chat with Annalisa Tyler. Annalisa is an accidental composer. She had to take theory when she was studying voice at the local Victoria Conservatory of Music, and it was there that her teacher saw a talent and they encouraged her to continue. She has continued with voice, and she has continued with composing. She's now a student at the University of Victoria, and she studies voice and composition. Annalisa and four other students from the University of Victoria will be sharing a piece with us called Threshold. I started out by asking Annalisa how the piece itself came to be. It was for this sign of, of well, sort of out of the box, course that I did called The Creative Impulse with Daniel Brandes, who is a, um, as well as being a, a professor at the VCM, he is also a composer. And I was very much inspired by some of the pieces that he did, which were even more than music pieces, they were pieces that included singing, but that weren't necessarily or singers in the traditional sense of that word. And it was a lot more about building community and empathy. And some of them were actually based around this idea of recreating this sort of um, fictional uh, community that he had sort of thought up and the sort of um, 
culture of that community and how that community comes together and relates to one another um, uh, largely through sound, but also through listening to one another and through engaging with each other in a very um, intimate and genuine way. In its original form, when it was, when the piece is performed, it's performed by sort of everyone in, in the group. And think about one thing that I will say about the piece is that there's this element of sort of listening and silence being also potentially an important component along with the actual sounds that are being made. So when, when there's an audience, if you're, if you're coming into it with the right mindset, you also can think of one, can think of yourself as a witness to this or as a participant yourself because you are taking it in and you are also, you are also um, a part of it. So there's sort of less of a less of a sharp divide between audience and performers in that way. Yeah, I love that because that is something I myself as a performer, I'm very interested in removing that sense of, you know, you watch and I do something and I'd love yeah. to find ways to, yeah, to blur that line. And I also love you talking about, right, that idea that, of course, silence is also part of it, right? That, that yeah. I did, for a while, I took photographs that were about negative space, because rather than looking at the object, I'm sort of interested in the space in between the objects, so. That, that's, that's what this piece, piece is about, is the space between things, and it's interesting how the, that sort of idea has become even more um, prevalent uh, during the lockdown and during the pandemic, and of course, this piece was originally conceived before, so, but it's very interesting how that's become even more sort of salient in people's mind, this, I this idea of, um, of being waiting for something and being sort of, sort of like um, caught in a space between like this sort of waiting for something to happen, waiting for things to change and knowing we have to like be isolated for a time, but not knowing when exactly that time will end or how for so long. The whole reason this piece is even being done here in this festival is because Isaiah Bell ran the, the chamber music course at, at UVic this year. We decided to embrace it and do things that we couldn't do or that worked better or were more interesting for this particular format. And so I actually brought thresholds to him as an idea like, because he had always asked very much for our feedback, our ideas in creating this performance. And I think that sort of came out, out of it. It's like sort of the sort of necessity is the mother of invention. Well, I have this thing that I think might work for, for what we're trying to do. And he really was very enthusiastic and supportive about this piece. And now to be for for it to be being performed here when Isaiah brought this to me, I was just I was just extremely humbled because this is my the first piece of this ilk that I've that I've made. Well, I'm delighted we could provide that for you. Um, and it's so cool that you would produce something like this that is really um, it's very new and very fresh. And I think it's such a great fit for an outdoor festival. Yeah. Do you have a sense of what? you would love an audience to take away from it? Like, do you think about that? Like when the audience comes, what do you hope they leave with? I do. My, yeah, I say that 
The maxim strength in numbers is flawed. A crowd can be just a sea of strange faces, but a group of individuals who care about each other is something. My hope is that this piece facilitates a sense of togetherness, empathy, and support in our transient lives. So, okay, so it's just something small. You just asked for something small. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's big, right? That's, that's a big that idea. Yeah, there, well, it's based on, uh, this whole piece is around very, very sort of big and sort of unanswerable questions. What to take away? A sense of, of empathy, of community, of listening to one another, being with each other, holding the space for one another. I know it's kind of still a lot. <laughs> and for you as a performer, uh, music that you've really loved being a performer in, whether that's the singing or the acting or something that's been really memorable for you as a musician. My first time in the POV chorus and being in Il Tritico and um, just being part of the Suor Angelica and that final chorus, which is just so, it's like, so I remember so many of us were just feeling like we were going to cry in the middle of singing that. It was magical for me because it was my first, like it was first, big opera production I was in, but also just to be singing that music and to be a part of something so so much greater than myself was really, was really special to me. As you come out of this now, right, as we all get our vaccinations and you will be performing, um, what are you most looking forward to as we really do start to turn the corner and we will get to perform for people live again? I mean, I'm just looking forward to you know, the experience of like live concerts, being actually there in the room. We all say this, but it is such a wholly different experience to watch a video of something and then to actually be there, either as a performer or as an audience member. It's just, I and I just remember how many concerts I've been to where it has just been so unbelievably poignant and almost beyond words really that really is the power of music and it it really does bring us all together as people and I think having that ex being able to have that experience again really is invaluable. I'm very curious about the piece Threshold and the idea of the spaces that she talked about. If you're as curious as I am you might like to check out Threshold and you can see it on Monday August 2nd at 1 p.m. and it will be performed in the orchard on the grounds of St. Anne's Academy here in Victoria. The final interview today on the podcast is filled with laughter and family stories. I had a chance to talk with two members of the traditional Lekwungen dancers, Beth Dick and Christine Sam. They were sitting out in their backyard when we talked. You'll even hear the birds singing. We began by talking about great musical memory moments. It turns out that Beth is a huge fan of Phantom of the Opera and practically drives some family members crazy because she can't stop playing that soundtrack. Here she is telling me about the first time she saw the show live. I got to see Phantom of the Opera when I was down in Vegas and I bought one of the cheap seats way up above because it's, you know, it's cheap. And then they brought me way down below because it didn't sell out. So they got me to go really close to the stage and I could feel the heat from the 
the flame part. I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> my sister and my other brother from Vancouver got my brother and I tickets to see Phantom in Vancouver. And <laughs> we decided we would catch the bus and we're dressing up because, you know, it's Phantom. So he brought this long, heavy coat, a thick button up shirt and whatnot. And I was wearing like a cotton shirt and skirts or something. I can't remember. Something cooler anyways. And we caught the bus over. And I was like, well, it doesn't look like that far of a walk. Let's just walk across the bridge. So we walked from the bus depot <laughs> to the theater <laughs> in Vancouver. My brother was not happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's not that far, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> I said, well, it's looks like this on the map he's like all of vancouver's on the map i'm like oh yeah <laughs> and you discovered like that costumes are really hot those costumes are really hot i can imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah by the time we got to the theater he was ready to strip out of his shirt <laughs> tell me something from your musical life have you been to concerts that you remember or shows that you love um what's sticking out for you when you hear the stories about the phantom we're sharing oh, honestly um in grade six uh, my best friend who was actually my niece uh, <laughs> we're best friends still um, she convinced me to join choir with her and we joined choir to get out of um pe so <laughs> We definitely done choir. <laughs> and my favorite piece was actually Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I really enjoyed um, choir actually in middle school. It, um, I didn't really make, I didn't like making friends in middle school. <laughs> I didn't really like talking to much people. And if we had to pick a partner, it'd be like the EA because I didn't want to deal with the students <laughs> yeah so like choir was definitely really nice um out of the bubble and got me used to kids around my age a little more tell me a little bit about the experience of being in the Lekwung and singers and dancers and what that's like my dad and my uncles and my late uncle Ray from Duncan he started the dance group with the Victoria Native Friendship Center back when I was seven so that was 1978 and um, he taught us all the songs and he got all the wives in us to make all the regalia. Some of us still actually have it. I have my regalia from back then. Of course, it doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the younger kids use it now. So that's good. It's something that we get to share with them. And late Uncle Ray, he taught us stories behind each of the songs that he taught us. And... Um, it's just something that I cherished the time that we had with him. And then he moved away to Duncan and we didn't want the group to go away. Um, so my dad took it here to this reserve with Uncle Butch and Uncle Skip and Auntie Jan and some of my other family. We started recruiting other band members and we got Christine as a little one. I wouldn't remember. Yeah, she was <laughs> just really young. Really baby. We were about 30 some odd strong. Um, 
back in um, about six years ago, I guess. And we had some of the boys and over the years they've had their boys. So, and one of them being Christine's boy too, Sky. Um, so they're sort of weaning out too, taking care of their little ones. But I'm so lucky that we have Sky up here with us. I love him. He is my little everything. So. <laughs> How old is that? How old is Sky? He's three. He had his third birthday on the 24th of June. He was born three weeks early because um, Grandma Dell, uh, her mom, <laughs> had this big drum. She has this really big drum that we perform with. <laughs> and I sing next to her. And I was next to her during the finale. And she was going at it. And she was hitting as hard as she can. Yep. <laughs> they were joking, saying that Mama is going to drum out my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Next morning, I'm in the hospital giving birth to my baby. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be a dancer, maybe even a singer. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, Uncle Ray taught us a lot of the different stories behind each of the songs. And over the years, we've actually gotten a couple of songs um, given to us. Um, Uncle Ray he was the one responsible for most of the songs that we use the prayer song he told us that it was more of a romantic song than it was an actual prayer song um he told us that a long time ago a man from a reserve fell in love with a, a lady from another reserve and she wanted nothing to do with him and he kept trying 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 to get her and he failed so finally he went up to the mountains and prayed and prayed and prayed because he wanted this woman to be his wife and after some time up there this song was given to him and told to bring it down sing to him sing to her and um so he did he came back down sang to her and her family and end up getting the girl so you know the prayer works for him that way. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but, uh, when a lot of times when we do the prayer song, we always have somebody in our hearts that is going through something difficult. Um, for me personally, it's my entire family. I am. My brother has MS. He's the only one in our family that has MS. My sister, she has um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And of course, my mom, she's my biggest concern and my biggest love. She's going to be 81 this year. And I just love her to bits. And you know, I, I can't fathom, you know, going on without her. So they're always first and foremost in my mind when I sing the prayer. And of course, my DG family, we call it DG family, <laughs> dance group family, um, because, you know, even though some of us are related, um, it's more, more than just that, you know, Christine theoretically is my niece, and um, I love her, I, 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 I couldn't imagine you not having her and Sky in my life, and so, yeah, there's so many different things, stories and meanings and um, thoughts. Like even when we do the prayer, um, we come, we, after the performance, some people may come up to us and say, share 
with us, they'll say thank you. And you can see it in their face. They're, they're genuine. They're, their heart is right there. And they're like, thank you. I, you know, I felt that you made me cry. You know, it's, it's something that they needed and they didn't know that they needed. Um, so, you know, being able to affect people, even with just songs um, that we were given to share, it's, it's a privilege. Um, I like being able to do what we do. Um, my mom and my sister word it the best, you know, they, this is something that our people were not allowed to do. People were taking this away from us. And this kind of stuff almost died because of it. But now we're here, we're still singing, we're still dancing, we're still sharing the stories and the love and the culture, parts of the culture that we're allowed to share. And this is a, a really good privilege for us. And we don't take it for granted. We've always taken it to heart. This is something, you know, it's not just something fun to do. You know, well, you know, it is fun to do, yes. But it's not like a, like floor hockey night or something like that. You know, this is who we are. And we want to cherish that. We want to live the life that my late father and late uncle Ray and my mom and her parents and her late, her late grandparents, you know, this is what they wanted. They wanted this culture to be still here. And I'm glad that we're doing it for them. When we lost my dad, he, it was hard. We couldn't do it for a while. We stopped for a little while. And then mom's like, we can't stop. We have to keep it going. Dad would want it. So because of my dad and my mom, this is, uh, <clears throat> this is important. But, um, so that's my take of the songs and stories. Do you have anything to add? Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I um I appreciate all the teachings and songs that come out of our traditional dance group. I never ever thought I'd be um a singer or even let alone a, le a lead singer when my aunties and grandma can't make it. It's actually um a very big role that's come upon um our other sister Gina and I um, when our aunts can't make it because their health is isn't all that great anymore. So taking on that lead, I am, my auntie Lila pointed out that there aren't much female singers out there. There aren't much female lead singers. Not a lot of women will pick up that drum. And I just like how we all sing in harmony and I like how we all sing loud and proud. And it's good for <clears throat> our younger generation to learn the songs and the words and it is right, it's not just words, it's not just a drum. They need to keep remembering that we're drumming with earth 
for drumming with air, you know, we got to continue to pray for our songs and keep praying for the water we get. It's such a luxury with everything we have today. It's an honor to be seeing side by side with my grandma, my grandma Dell and my aunties and my sisters. And it's a very big honor to continue to teach my child and my other future children how to dance and sing and carry themselves the most culturally appropriate life that we have available for them. It's an, it's an, it's an honor. It's, an, it's indeed a privilege to be doing any kind of performance with anybody. And I know a lot of us are looking forward to the whole opera part. You know, Eugene and me and Addie, uh, Aslan, um, we've all loved opera. So when my sister told us the opera wants us, we're like, yes, 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 we're going to do it. And we're, we're all excited. It's what we live for. Yeah. <laughs> well, she may be excited to join us, but we are just as excited to host Beth and Christine and their traditional Lekwungen dancers. They'll be appearing on the Courtyard stage on the first Saturday of the festival at 11 a.m. Learn more about how to attend this performance and reserve your seat. And you can learn about all the programs, the ones you heard the interviews about, and there are many more things happening on the grounds at www.pacificopera.ca. There are many events you can participate in or just witness. There'll be pop-up music throughout the grounds, it's going to be a marvelous festival. I look forward to seeing you there and finally hearing and seeing live performance again. That's the end of this edition of the Listening Party podcast. There will be no new episode in August. I'll be busy preparing for the fall season, but you'll be able to learn all about that in the next episode of the podcast, which will air in September. Don't forget to check out the Spotify playlist that accompanies this podcast. All the guests shared their favorite music, and you can learn more about what they chose and why in the liner notes, which you'll find on the Listening Party podcast webpage. Until next time, enjoy the summer, and I hope you can take in as many live concerts as possible. Be well. Bye for now.